swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Our next guest on Extra Innings is one of my absolute favorite follows. If you're looking at prospects across Major League Baseball, you're looking at draft coverage, it's Joe Doyle of Prospects Live. He is their MLB draft director, and he's a local guy, so he's got some Mariners takes as well. He is very plugged in with the Mariners farm system and all that's going on. Joe, really appreciate you joining us here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How's it going tonight? It's good, man. How are you doing? I'm glad to join. Doing well, Joe. Really appreciate it. So, Joe, we look at this Mariners farm system right now, and there have been a lot of graduations this season, and really in the last couple seasons, we've seen them kind of fall back down the rankings in terms of overall organizational rankings across baseball, all the big publications. Where do you see them right now as a farm system as a whole with you know guys who are probably a couple years away now, not so much at the higher levels of the minor leagues? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I would probably call the Mariners farm system in in the back half of the top 30 rankings at this point, somewhere in that 15 to 22 range is where I'd probably slot them. But so much of the value and the, and the, you know, where Seattle is going to get production in the future does come by way of guys that you're probably not going to see at the big league level until 2025, maybe even 2026. So there, there's definitely a lot of hopes and dreams uh, on teenagers in this in this system, but there are some guys at the top still that I figure will contribute here sooner rather than later. Um, listen, whenever you have the opportunity or, or the successful graduations of, you know, two guys like George Kirby and Julio Rodriguez, who are going to finish in the top four or five in rookie of the year, the latter uh, winning it likely, uh, you, you know, your, your farm system is going to take a hit, but uh, not only has the scouting and player development uh you know, departments of this organization really flexed their muscles over the last five or six years. Um, but I think they've got more coming. You mentioned at the higher levels of the minor leagues not having as much depth as it did over the last couple of seasons, but there is one guy right now that I think a lot of Mariners fans still keep an eye on, and that's Jared Kelnick. His future kind of up in the air right now with the Mariners organization. How do you see him factoring into their plans going forward? Is this somebody that you think could have a place at the, at the major league level if he can kind of figure things out, or is this somebody who his future might be elsewhere? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing going into 2023 for the Seattle Mariners and Jerry Depoto specifically will be not guaranteeing or promising Jared Kelnick anything. And that's nothing against Jared Kelnick, but handing him the keys to the car um, without him having to prove anything in in the spring is is probably not a a route that the team wants to take twice. So uh, I do think that he has a future with this team. I'm not exactly sure how his role is going to carve itself out, I've said this on other podcasts. Um, the first thing I would do if I was Jared Kelnick this offseason would be to lose 8 to 10 pounds of muscle, uh, get his flexibility and, and some of that athleticism back, and kind of let his hands do more work at the plate and, and, and stop trying to be you know, this thumping, 
Jock Peterson type of player that only fits in a corner. I, I think that diminishes his value um, entirely. But, you know, at the end of the day, the way that I look at Jared Kelnick is he's still a very, very young player. He's still um, squarely, uh, in terms of age, a, a prospect. Uh, so what you want to see is you want to see Jared really just settle in on a specific approach at the plate, settle in on a specific operation at the plate, and get back to who Jared Kelnick was before he made his major league debut. Because at this point, he's he's really just turned into a bit of a tinkerer. And I think the struggles and failure have, have kind of caused Jared to, you know, really doubt his 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 abilities that were God-given is, is a good way of putting it. So, yeah, uh, long story short, definitely think he's got a future with the team. Still very high on him, but um, he's got he's to earn his way back. One guy who has looked really good, especially as of late in the Mariners' farm system, is outfielder Cade Marlowe, who just got recently promoted yesterday to AAA Tacoma. And it got me wondering, Joe, and you can tell me if this is a crazy harebrained theory of mine, but it, it kind of follows the similar promotion path that Matt Brash had a year ago where he was promoted to AAA in the season's final weeks, and then they promoted him to the big league level. And we've seen sort of the left field spot for the Mariners be a, a rotating cast of characters this year. We thought Jesse Winker was going to be the answer. That hasn't been the case is there a world in which you see Marlowe maybe being put on the fast track considering the Mariners need right now for consistent production in left field? So my, my gut says no. And the reason being is Seattle does have plenty of options that they can play in, in left field right now. Um, some of which are, are already on the 40-man roster. Cade Marlowe isn't on the 40, so you might have to make a move um, if you wanted to promote him. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the question that you have to ask yourself is, is, is Cade Marlowe a better option at the end of a competitive window, you know, the, the end of a competitive season, than a guy like a Taylor Trammell or a guy like even Jake Lamb, you know, guys that have major league service uh, under their belts? To me, it's probably a little bit too early. And, and part of that does stem from the fact that, you know, Kate Marlowe is having a fantastic, it's, he's having an unbelievable season. And frankly, he's blowing my expectations for him out of the water. But a lot of his 2022 season does come in the form of the last three weeks. It's been an unbelievable heater. Um, you know, double A still striking out a little bit more than you'd like to see. Um, so at the end of the day, I think it probably makes more sense to give those at-bats to a guy like Taylor Trammell or, you know, continue to roll Sam Haggerty out there. Um, but, you know, one thing Cade Marlowe is doing is he's putting himself, you know, we just mentioned Jared Kelnick. He's putting himself in a position where he's going to go into spring training fighting for a big league roster spot. And Cade Marlowe has to be protected from the roll five draft this offseason. And at this stage, I have a hard time seeing Seattle not, adding him to the 40-man roster going into next season. Yeah, you you mentioned just the tear that he has been on over the last two weeks. This is courtesy of J.J. Cooper of Baseball America. Cade Marlowe has the most hits, the most home runs, the most total bases, the highest batting average, and highest slugging percentage of anybody in the minor leagues over the last two weeks. He has been rolling. And when you look at, at guys who produce at the AA level for the Mariners, Joe, playing in that ballpark that they do in Arkansas, Dickie Stevens Park, which is not a hitter's ballpark at all. It is one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in all of minor league baseball. I mean, 
How much credence do you put into the numbers that that he has put up this year, considering just how how tough of a ballpark he is or he's playing in right now? Yeah, I mean, Dickie Stevens is brutal. I mean, it's really, really brutal on right-handed hitters, but it can be tough uh, at times. At, you know, certain nights on left-handed hitters too. It's it's no short porch out to right field. Um, that's for sure. So, I mean, at the end of the day. I look at Cade Marlowe's season and the fact that he was able to translate a massive 2021 um, in Everett to uh, arguably an even bigger 2022 in a remarkably more difficult park against remarkably tougher pitching. You can't say enough. I mean, he's really kind of blown expectations out of the water. And, and that's why I think Seattle, he's kind of forcing Seattle's hand. Like you can't just let this guy get picked up by another organization this offseason and not add him to the 40-man roster. Joe Doyle of Prospects Live joining us here on Extra Innings. And Joe, another guy making his climb through the Mariners minor league system is somebody they acquired earlier this season, Prelander Baroa, who has been just incredible ever since acquiring him from San Francisco. For those who may not know the name, I mean, just what has he been doing this year in the minor leagues that has really been grabbing people's attention? Yeah, he's been striking out everybody. Uh, <laughs> he's been striking out everybody. Um, Perlander Baroa was 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 acquired for Donnie Walton, and I, I think when people saw that trade and and their reflections of Donnie Walton, it was just kind of one of those, oh, you know, this guy is a hard throwing uh, reliever. You know, he maybe makes his debut uh, down the road as a guy who you know throws ninety nine, but uh, has trouble uh, tr- trouble throwing strikes. That hasn't been the case at all. I mean, he's been starting at double A, and not only has he been throwing strikes, but his arsenal has taken a a massive, massive step forward. At the beginning of the year, I thought he was a relief pitcher. I still tend to think he's going to be a relief pitcher just because he's so two-pitch heavy, but he's really one off-season away and adding one tertiary weapon away from being a viable starting pitching prospect uh, for the 2023 Seattle Mariners. At worst, you're looking at a guy who's going to strike out a million batters out of the bullpen. And at best, you might be looking at a number four starter who throws 99 with really a, a, a double plus or, you know, one of the better uh, secondary weapons in the league. I mean, when you mention all that about Baroa, I just get visions of Matt Brash in my head, you know, where Brash was acquired in sort of a similar way. I think, what was it, Taylor Williams they sent to San Diego, got Brash back, who was at the time, you know, a very toolsy prospect, not somebody that had kind of, you know, sharpened those or uh, smoothed out those edges. And Baroa here getting acquired from Walton, I mean, He's had an incredible season. Do you think Matt Brash is kind of a similar, you know, style of pitcher that we could see Baroa kind of develop into? You know, I, there is some. The thing about Matt Brash that amazes me is it's so the athleticism is so explosive on the mound coming from a small guy, and that's kind of what you're getting with Baroa. I mean, Baroa is not a big guy; he's six feet tall, might even still be five eleven. Um, but he's only like 175, 185 pounds. I mean, he's just kind of this wound up ball of muscle. And I think Matt Brash is a little bit looser. He's a little bit um, whippier on the mound, but Prelander Baroa in terms of like the narrative and the trajectory of where Matt Brash was and, and where he's gone, it's different stuff. It's a different body, but the, 
the narrative of how we got here isn't too terribly dissimilar. Joe Doyle of Prospects Live joining us for just a couple more moments here. Joe, we're going to see some new rules go into effect at the big league level in 2023. You've watched a ton of of minor league baseball over the years, and maybe the biggest addition at the big league level is going to be the pitch clock. And a lot of people have expressed some hesitancy because obviously change, people don't like change. But when you have watched minor league games since pitch clocks have gone into effect at that level, how much has that changed sort of the viewing experience of a game. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, here, my take on baseball as a whole is it is a beautiful sport to watch when it's moving, when it's in action. And I think we've gotten to a point in Major League Baseball currently where there's just too much downtime. I don't think the three-hour game is the issue. I think it's the 40 minutes in between pitches that can become the issue. So anything to get the move, get the game moving, get it back in action, let athletes showcase their, their athleticism. Like I'm all for it. So uh, cutting down on the time in in between pitches, I think is going to be a remarkable win for the game and just pulling younger viewers in and and frankly, pulling casual viewers in who um, swear that, you know, this is a slow sport and it moves too slow and there's too much de- uh, dead time. I agree with that. So I'm excited to see the game move a little bit quicker. I think that the concerns about pitchers getting hurt are is overblown. And um, I just think I think genuinely all of the rule changes that are coming to Major League Baseball in 2023 are going to have a remarkably positive effect on the sport. He is Joe Doyle of Prospects Live. Make sure you are following him on Twitter at Joe Doyle M I L B. Joe, always appreciate you coming on on seven ten, and especially here on Extra Innings. Really can't thank you enough for joining us here on this late night edition. Have a great uh, rest of your week, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Uh, Curtis, I appreciate you, and I'll do it anytime. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. One of the million-dollar questions regarding this Mariners team and regarding the rotation right now is, who do you pick for that number three spot in the postseason? You've got Luis Castillo, obviously, atop the rotation. You've got Robbie Ray, who you gave that big contract to, and he has more than lived up to it, I would think. I think that's pretty safe to say. That's not exactly a hot take here on this late-night edition of Extra Innings, but who gets that number three spot? George Kirby, who has looked fantastic over the season's last month and a half, two months, over his last 11 starts, he's got an ERA below two. Or Logan Gilbert, who over the course of the season has put together a breakout campaign, as it were. Obviously, he's not the American League Pitcher of the Month that he was in the month of April right now, but still very effective, and he's missed bats. He's given up just like four runs, five runs since growing that goatee. Maybe the power of the goatee is where it's at. He's pitched 28 in the third innings pitch, has only allowed five earned runs in that stretch since growing out the goatee. Maybe that's where his power has come from as of late. But Jeff Passan of ESPN, the premier reporter, the premier newsbreaker in all of Major League Baseball, he joined Brock and Salk earlier today, as he does every Wednesday at 7.30 a.m., to answer that question and also get into some of those new rules that we talked about last time we met here on Extra Innings. You know, I look at the Mariners' rotation as the first-world problem of first-world problems. Um, to me, it's clear Luis Castillo is the one. Like he's, I think he's your best pitcher. I think he's where you start the playoff rotation. Now, 
If Robbie Ray were having a lesser year, if he were like first two months of the season, Robbie Ray, I think there might be a little bit of a debate about his place in the rotation. And, and he would have one probably, but it would be more of the, yeah, we gave you $115 million this offseason, and we're not going to do that to a guy who can't even crack the rotation in a wild card series his first year. So I think Robbie Ray probably gets the start in game two. Boy, I, I mean, Mike and I talked about this a little last week, and he, he sort of caught me off guard because I, I had just assumed Logan Gilbert was going to be the guy, but George Kirby, what is it, over his last 11 starts as a sub-2 ERA, I think? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, he's been he's been spectacular, but then you see Gilbert go out and do what he did last night, and, I mean... Honestly, I think it's probably just whoever's pitching best at that point. Or uh, maybe you take Kirby and for that first round, turn that fastball into a weapon uh, where he's going to be going two innings in a fireman role, sitting 100. Um, You could do the same with Gilbert, presumably. There's just no good answer to deciding between the two because I think it's so close. But there's no bad answer if you get either of the two. Jeff, this is sort of a silly question, but seriously, how cool is Julio? You know, sometimes I will have tweets that I type up on my phone that I'm trying to will into existence. And going into the bottom of the ninth inning last night, I had a tweet queued up that said, man, comma, Julio is so much fun. And I was anticipating someone getting on base and then Julio just hitting a missile and tying the game to in the bottom of the ninth inning and pandemonium. Uh, for the the sec- which would have been for the second straight game after what he did on, on Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Uh, by the way, um, if you're a baseball fan and – you saw that game Sunday. How giddy were you after? I don't even care if you're an Atlanta fan or just a fan of the sport writ large. Seeing Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris do what they did Sunday, I mean, what a show. Jeff, I would and- tell you that that it was such a big deal here that on the day Russell Wilson returned to Seattle, we spent most of the day and took most of our calls about the game the night before. I get it. It was one of the best games of the year in all of baseball. The Mariners, I'll tell you what, um, you know, we, we don't have this thing in baseball like who's the best league pass team like they do in the NBA. Um, but but the Mariners might be the team I find myself watching the most. At, at, you know, late at night, either them or the Dodgers. Um, How come? And, and I do a lot of I, I do a lot of good baseball viewing, you know, uh, in the wee hours of the morning here in Kansas City. And the Mariners are just a fun team to watch. And Julio is the heartbeat. You know, he's still just a kid. We have to remember he's only 21 years old. And that is is both shocking with the way that he carries himself and plays the game and incredibly exciting for any Seattle fan to know that for the next decade plus, 
he is going to be on your television screen 162 days a year. Like, how cool is that? And, and the last time the Mariners had that was... Mm. Decades. Junior? Decades. Felix in his own way. It was every five days, but Felix at his prime. And, th- and that would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, prime, but each but Ichiro didn't connect. Like, Ichiro didn't connect. Ichiro was you marveled at. People admired, like, my gosh, this guy's a machine. Julio is a connector. He's a connector with Jeff Passan in his bed in Kansas City, and he's a connector with the thirty-seven thousand last night on a Tuesday night, and everybody else. Like he he connects with people in a way, Jeff. To your point, nobody has for the Mariners since Ken Griffey Jr. decades ago. Yeah, it's magnetism. It's just inherent, pure magnetism, and he's got that air about him in the way he carries himself, in the way he plays baseball. And the way he smiles, like like you just look at him and he's just like, I, I wanna I wanna hang out with this guy. He's a presence. And you do not teach that. Um, people either have it or they don't, and the vast, vast, vast majority don't. Do these other young studs in baseball passing? Because I'm looking around and for the first time in some time, you've got a bunch of young studs in this game you got a six seven pterodactyl at shortstop in pittsburgh you got a hundred mile an hour flamethrower at shortstop in baltimore you've got this kid in seattle harris who hit those two bombs by the way in atlanta is yet another young star and there are others obviously you know guerrero jr still young tatis when he comes back is still young but do they have that same magnetism as julio I don't think any of the guys you just mentioned do now. Um, I'm trying to think of, of a star of his caliber who does. Oh, Mike Trout. Let's look at the. That's, that's, you know what? That's just. That's, I might curse. I might curse again if you're going to be rude like that. Sorry. Sorry about that. I just. I got, well, I got ahead of I, myself. I'm sorry. I mean, let's let's look at the best players in baseball this year. Aaron Judge, no. Paul Goldschmidt, no. Nolan Arenado, no. Manny Machado, no. Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts kind of has it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's there's there's a there's a. I don't like using this word because I'm a middle aged white guy, but there's some swag to it, right? Um, and and Julio is replete with swag. Like there, there's just the. Well, there's an elemental thing there with him, and it's—I'm telling you, man—it's rare. So, no, I don't know, Brock, that any of the other best players in baseball come with that same vibe that he does. Hey, uh, just quickly from a national perspective, we did get the the uh, the rules changes coming down in baseball since I talked to you last. I'm really excited about the banning of the shift. I'm really excited about the bigger bases. And, you know, if it ends up adding to the running game a little bit, I think that would be great. You're going to have to convince me a little bit on the on the pitch clock. I'm still not really on board here, Jeff. Have you watched a minor league game with a pitch clock yet? No. Watch a minor league game with a pitch clock. You'll be convinced in 20 minutes that it's the best thing that's happened to baseball in the last 50 years. Wow. It's, wow. it's that much better? It is that much better, Mike. That's so bizarre. 
It's like because I love I love the tension of of everything building I, in baseball. I, listen, I and 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 here's the thing. I I actually understood that last night as I was watching the you know Josh Hader take what felt like an eternity between pitches. I was like, boy, this is like this is building up, and it's going to be a little bit different when a guy's got to stand on the butt. No, it's just action, action. It's I mean, it's. It's action that's timed, and and you are guaranteed action a pitch every fifteen seconds. It's it's I'm I'm not the person who listens to podcasts or audiobooks on two X, but that's what it feels like. It is unlike any baseball game that you've seen in the last twenty five years, where it has progressively slowed down. It's a throwback to when we were kids, and I think. Listen, uh, we, we are wistful as human beings for things that were, for things that we, we attach to memories um, and, and feel good about, even though maybe it wasn't so good. The game of baseball itself back in the 1980s compared to now is a joke. It's, it's like the skills and the quality of the players, not even close, but the speed of the game back then you're going to see it again, and you're going to love baseball even more for it. Just a half hour remains here on this edition of Extra Innings. We'll be back with you on September 26th. That is the next Mariners off day. as We're getting just closer and closer and closer to the end of this baseball season and the end of the baseball regular season, I should say, as the Mariners continue to make their charge towards the postseason. But coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll take a look around Major League Baseball with some of the biggest headlines in the game, including Albert Pujols' chase for 700 as he gets ever so closer to that milestone. More to come on Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. This is Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners. Seattle Sports Station. Munoz, Bennett the way, staring in. Right arm dangles. Now stands straight up and down. His one-two pitch on the way to Harris. Swing and a miss. Went waving at a slider out of the zone. A helpless hack. Down goes Harris. Down goes Atlanta. And that's the inning as Munoz pops his fists, rolls off the mound as he puts out the fire again. Pitching, pitching, and more pitching. That is how the Mariners have built their success here in 2022. It has been through the starting rotation. It's been through the bullpen, Los Bomberos. It has been through star arms like Luis Castillo and and Robbie Ray. It has been through the young guys, Logan Gilbert and George Kirby. It has been through that bullpen of guys emerging like Andres Munoz. It has been guys like Paul Seawald replicating what they did a year ago. A couple days ago on Seattle Sports Station, Stacey Rost and Michael Bumpus were joined by Rob Friedman, better known as the Pitching Ninja. You can follow him on Twitter, at Pitching Ninja, who's got all of his overlays. He's got tremendous video work with pitching and just spotlighting all the great arms across Major League Baseball. But the conversation focused primarily on the Mariners and and how they've been able to develop so many arms and how that bullpen has been able to replicate the performance that they had in 2021 in helping the Mariners win all these close games, all these tight games, keeping them in every single ball game that they, they find themselves in and also being a bridge after the starters leave the game, seeing it more often than not end with a Mariners victory. How has the bullpen been able to, to continue to do it time in and time out and also 
those starting pitchers for the Mariners, how how lucky are they how to have the riches that they do in that starting rotation, especially at this point in the year where we're at September 15th and the Mariners could theoretically throw out six arms in that starting rotation and, and match up with just the best in baseball. You know, that's a great – I think they have just a great system of development. I love Munoz. I think he is among the – top young arms in the major leagues as far as bullpen arms along with like guys like Felix Bautista who you know has hit the scene big time and uh and Yohan Duran who's been you know, just ridiculous but Munoz is is outstanding that slider is one of the more unhittable pitchers in the major leagues now I want to talk about fun pitching with you because you're such an expert at breaking all of it down, and I know that this is the stuff you love talking about most. But uh, I also want to cover struggling pitching <laughs> once in a while, so we can use your brain trying to figure out what's going on. Marco Gonzalez has been one of those guys, and part of it, Rob, feels like just the type of pitcher that he is. What, what seemed to have gone wrong for him for him in, in his struggles, and and what does he do right? he does right is when he's on, you know, command and changing speeds and that change up, um, you know, he, he can keep people off balance, but if anything is off, and this is the reason why people chase velocity is because velocity gives you more room for error. If you have, if you're, you don't have overpowering stuff, you can still dominate a lineup. You just have less room for error. And it seems like he's sometimes shading more into the error part than the you know than the pure perfect command but you know you guys like that's why you have guys like logan gilbert throwing up for 90s and being successful you know, he, he doesn't have to be as fine rob i was a football guy growing up played a little bit of baseball all i could do was just throw a baseball hard right i had no command can't move that thing uh how difficult is it when these pitchers just add a pitch in mid-season oh we've seen robbie ray do that uh how, how difficult is that it's really difficult the the Probably the harder thing, there's two different things. One is commanding it because you have less experience with it and you're not exactly sure where it's going to go. Um, and the other thing is knowing when to use it because you still, because you haven't had a spring training to work on it, you're kind of guessing. You may be looking at analytics and stuff, but you're guessing at how hitters are going to respond to it because it depends on your other pitches. So it's very difficult to do it. Luckily for Robbie, he had thrown a – two-seamer at some point in his career so he kind of had some idea how to do it but it was very a very smart addition and really turned his his season around he does another thing that's amazing and i think everybody should listening should know about the little idiosyncrasies of pitching he changes the 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 seam orientation of his fastball depending on which side the hitter is hitting from because he thinks that hitters can pick up the seams on the baseball so he'll just flip the baseball depending on whether it's a lefty or righty up. I interviewed him earlier in the year, and I was like, what? I've never heard of anybody doing that. He's like, I guarantee you, hitters can see this, so this is why I do it. Like, you're a defending Cy Young Award winner. That's yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, no, but it's fascinating because he has – if Luis Castillo had not come here and been so spectacular for Seattle, we'd all be talking about how phenomenal Robbie Ray's been, right? Like, It's not like he's taking a back seat, but there's this new shiny toy here with the right. Mariners. And, and meanwhile, Robbie Ray's just been phenomenal. Yeah, and they're very different pitchers. Like, R- Robbie Ray is a bully on the mound. Like, he'll get up there, he grunts, he screams – um, and and Luis Castillo is electric. Like you watch him, and you're like, there's almost when he's on, there's nothing he can't do. 
and it's just fun to watch. He's a very emotional guy when he pitches, has his case struts and stuff. So he's he's one of those guys you can't take your eye off of. Where Robbie Ray just shoves the ball down your throat, and uh, you know, and before you know it, he's got ten Ks. We saw Logan Gilbert recently um, just really throw the heck out of the baseball. I don't think he was even trying to command that thing. He just said, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can, and, and you see what you can do with it. But we've seen two different Logan Gilberts, right? In September, he had a good start, and then August, he kind of faltered a little bit. What have you seen in Logan's game, and um, how close is he from being back to the guy that we saw earlier? You know, to me, and, and, and this is something that I think a lot of people don't realize, is how much of an emotional, mental game pitching is. And you see a rookie come out, have success, and you have a lot of emotion. You're feet off that. And then the second something goes wrong, it's all of a sudden you start second-guessing yourself, and it t- it's hard to get back into it. Gilbert seems to pitch with a ton of emotion. I thought his last outing showed it a lot. Um, I love when he throws and he has his little K wave um, to hitters after he strikes them out. It's, it's his finish on his, on, his, uh, on his mechanics. But he, I think he's close. Like I, I think you saw some more confidence out of him. Um, so I expect him to keep doing well. Obviously, it's a crapshoot, you know, with, with younger pitchers because they have less to pull from as far as, you know, digging out of unsuccessful stuff and then turning it back around. But he seems to have a really strong mental makeup, and I like him. I think he's he's another guy that's really fun to watch. I think the whole Mariner staff is. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've been talking about uh, the role of um... – uh, a manager when it comes to those bullpen decisions. And when you look at what Seattle has with their bullpen, how much of what they have is pure raw talent? They just happen to have some great guys. And how much do you as a pitching expert watch and say, you know what, that was a great decision to go with this guy over that guy. I mean, do you ever, you know, analyze that part of the game? Yeah, I do. And I think that, you know, the, the one thing that I will recognize is managers tend to know their bullpens better than I will, you know, any outsider will. Because you may wonder why they make a decision, but it could be that a pitcher you know, didn't feel it. They went into, you know, they said, hey, you know, if I, I could use an extra day. Um, you just don't know what guys are dealing with. So it's really easy as a fan or analyst to criticize a manager for bullpen moves when you don't know the inner workings of the clubhouse and what those pitchers are dealing with. That being said, I think they've pulled a lot of really good strings. And I think, I mean, I I think it's a combination of having really good arms, but also using them the right way. Obviously, we're hyper-focused on this rotation over here in Seattle. How would you compare them to the best rotation in the league? And who is, where, where is the best rotation in the league? I mean, right now, I would probably, with, with a healthy Verlander, it, it very well could be the, the Astros. <sighs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, well, Rob, thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah, I can't help you there. Like, That's I really okay. think, you know, they, I they think just you're have right. so much depth. Yeah, they have so much depth. And I'd love to be able to argue against it. I don't think that there's a team that the Mariners can't match up with. I mean, for starting pitching, who would they – I mean, if you're looking at the teams in the league, is there anybody you sit there and go, oh, they're just so much better than us? I don't right. think there is. Right, that's a good point. Okay, um, we do need to wrap up, but I, I don't know that we're going to get a chance to have you on before the end of the season. I'm sure you're going to be very busy. So I wanted to let you have last call. If you want to stake your claim when it comes to uh, A and AL and NL Cy Young winners, are you going with CISO or Verlander? I mean, who are you taking for, for either league here? Right now I have CISO over Verlander, but it's really, really close. Okay. If, if Verlander comes back and makes a couple starts, I think he 
he can retake that. It's a, it's close. Um, and the NL, Sandy has such a big lead that it's going to be tough to catch Alcantara unless, like, Zach Gallon finishes the year totally scoreless and, uh, and Alcantara continues to struggle. But Sandy's probably got it. Always, always love any time we can get Pitching Ninja, a.k.a. Rob Friedman, on Seattle Sports Station. Make sure you're downloading the Bump and Stacy podcast while you're at it. When we return on Extra Innings, one last segment to go with a round of Pepper looking at the biggest stories in Major League Baseball on this Thursday night going into the weekend. A big weekend. Every weekend's big for the Mariners as we get this much closer to the end of the regular season. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel, folks. Oh, one more segment to go here on Extra Innings. Don't go anywhere. I'm Curtis Rogers right here on the Mariners Radio Network and Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back into Extra Innings. One final segment to go here on this late Thursday night. Really appreciate you making us a part of your late night evening here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. I'm Curtis Rogers. We take a look at the wild card standings because that is where all of our attention uh, is going these days as we follow the Mariners ever so closely. The Rays picking up a victory today over the Blue Jays, shutting them out in Toronto, meaning that the Rays are now 80-63. and 63. The Blue Jays are 81-63. and 63. So the Rays now are a half game behind the Blue Jays. And what does that mean for the American League wildcard standings? Well... Unfortunately, that means that the Rays are still nipping at the heels of the Mariners. You've got the Rays at 80 and 63. The Mariners are 80 and 62 with the day off today. Uh, and then the Blue Jays are 81 and 63. So once these teams are able to kind of get the same amount of games played, then it's going to be so much e- easier to figure it out. Uh, the Mariners have a half game lead on the Rays. I believe just percentage points are what separate these three teams right now atop the American League wildcard standings. It's very convoluted. Just keep Baltimore at bay. That's all you got to worry about right now, I guess, if you're all these teams. The Mariners with a five-game advantage on Baltimore heading into today. So very important that the Mariners just keep Baltimore back. Back, I say. Uh, But a really cool story in baseball today. If you didn't know, celebrating league-wide is Roberto Clemente Day, uh, where everybody wears jersey number 21 in remembrance of the great Roberto Clemente, who passed away in in a plane crash that ended his life. And and, um, he was still an active player at the time of his passing. He had finished his career with an equal number or with the exact number of 3,000 hits. Uh, But it's Roberto Clemente Day in honor of the great Roberto Clemente and all that he meant, not just to baseball, but to baseball globally, especially in Latin America. And the Rays, who won today, they made history of their own with the very first lineup in big league history with every player, one through nine, born in Latin America. You had Yandy Diaz and Randy Orozarena born in Cuba, Wander Franco from the Dominican Republic, Harold Ramirez from Colombia, Manny Margot, from the Dominican Republic, David Peralta from Venezuela, Isaac Paredes from Mexico, Rene Pinto from Venezuela, and Jose Siri from the Dominican Republic. An incredible, incredibly cool uh, honor that that Rays team has today as the very first in big league history. 
uh, to feel the team where everybody has been born in, or everybody was born in Latin America. Uh, just a really cool thing to see, especially on Roberto Clemente Day of all days. I, I wonder if there was some planning in that from the Rays. It, whether or not there was, I mean, that that's just really, really cool to see. And uh, hopefully we get to see a little more international flavor amongst lineups out there uh, because it's a global game. It's a global game. Speaking of global, I mean, Ryan Roland Smith, who normally joins the station this week, he's all he's over in, I believe, Germany right now calling the European World Baseball Classic qualifiers. Uh, the World Baseball Classic coming back in 2023. Uh, really excited to see that. And seeing some of the names that have committed to Team USA, the defending WBC champs, uh, you've got, I believe, like Mike Trout is committed, Bryce Harper is committed. It's going to be a, a, a stacked United States lineup uh, looking to defend their World Baseball Classic title, the first one that they had ever won. The Angels, they've clinched their seventh straight losing season. You kind of like to see it. You kind of do. Oh, boy. They have had a, have a rough go of it down in Anaheim this season. They got off to such a great start, 27-17 and 17 at one point. And really, that series where they met the Mariners and the Mariners fell 10 games below 500 at 29-39, and 39. ever since then, these two teams have been on kind of an opposite path. And, and really, since the brawl earlier this season, both teams have kind of found themselves going in completely opposite directions. If you recall, immediately following the brawl, the Mariners just took off like a rocket. Uh, a few games after uh, losing that game day, the Angels, though, they went on their 14-game win streak, which uh, has really catapulted the Mariners this season uh, from the the depths of what they were going through in, in early June to where they are now. And then the Angels, boy, they are way out of it 61 and 82 they haven't officially been eliminated from the playoffs yet but they are getting there uh 21 games below 500 after being 10 games above 500 this season and they're doing it with Shohei Otani continuing to have a historic season on the mound and at the dish Mike Trout is back healthy Trout hitting hitting a home run in seven consecutive games falling one game short of Ken Griffey Jr.'s major league record of eight and yet they are 21 games below 500. I don't get it. I don't understand how that is even possible. But yet here the Angels are once again. I can understand now why Artie Moreno is looking to sell that organization because they have been just awful, just brutally bad uh, over the course of his tenure, really, as team owner. I mean, he just has not been able to put together a winning product even though he is not a, an owner that is one to shy away from spending, uh, you know, wherever he feels he needs to spend. Uh, some history also made in St. Louis yesterday. Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina make their record 325th start together. No other pitcher-catcher combo has made more starts together than those two guys. Yadier Molina will be retiring after this season. No word yet on Adam Wainwright's future. He is a free agent after this year. It doesn't sound like he is going to be hanging it up, but you look at him, you look at, at Molina, you look at Albert Pujols, that Cardinals team relying heavily on the veterans, and you know you love to see it. You love to see these guys who have been so good for so long continue to carry that organization uh, into a playoff berth here. Albert Pujols mar- making his march towards 700 home runs. He is just, what, 
a couple short of 700 in his career. He passed Alex Rodriguez the other day. I saw an interesting, a very interesting stat that may have had a big impact on his career home run total. So Albert Pujols has 697 home runs, which he is three away from 700 career, which only three other players in Major League history have ever reached that total. So get this. Prior in Albert Pujols' career, he has played in games that were rained out that in those games he had hit a home run prior to the game being called before five innings. So, had those games been finished to their completion rather than being called and made up at a different time, Pujols would now be sitting at 699 instead of 697. And I believe those home runs were hit like decades ago, like 03 and 05 or something like that. So he would instead be just one home run away from 700 right now with three weeks to go in the regular season rather than three home runs away. Now, he, he has been on a, a on a huge tear over the last couple months, uh, especially since the All-Star break. It looks like Pujols will probably be able to cross that 700 threshold, but man, if he falls like one or two home runs short, that is going to be brutal. I hope that is not the case. I really hope that is not the case. Fingers crossed that he is able to get those home runs in order to eclipse the 700 mark and be able to to join that pantheon, to join that exclusive, the most exclusive club or one of the most exclusive clubs in all of baseball. So Albert Pujols, just three home runs away from 700 in his major league career. And some really big news in the world of baseball this week. Obviously, the, the rule changes that are going to go into effect in 2023, those were voted on. But some other big, huge news is that minor league baseball players are now officially part of the Major League Baseball Players Association after their union authorization cards were validated by an arbitrator and Major League Baseball voluntarily recognized the union. Now, what this means is that we're going to see minor leaguers now finally have a seat at the table when it comes to collective bargaining agreements. We're not going to see minor league baseball players, I don't think anymore, make less than minimum wage to play baseball and and to play at the minor league level. Uh, It's going to be able to see more guys live out their dreams, see it through rather than have to make the financial decision of do I continue to play baseball or do I go work a nine to five job rather than chase my dream? And I think that is going to be a a very cool thing to see at the minor league level as these guys now have that ability to, you know, be able to throw some weight around to be able to say like, yeah, we are deserving of this and and this is what we have fought for. And it it is a landmark week in major league baseball. It's going to look very different at the minor league level. And I think that is a good thing. I think it's a very good thing for baseball going forward. That is going to do it for Extra Innings here on this late-night edition on Seattle Sports Station. Really appreciate you joining us. We will be back with you Monday, September 26th. That's right. We've got about two weeks off before we meet again for Extra Innings. Who knows? Maybe the Mariners will have clinched a playoff spot by then. You never know. You never know. I'm Curtis Rogers. Really appreciate our guests for joining us. Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Joe Doyle at Prospects Live. Really appreciate those guys for swinging on by. When we reconvene September 26th, we're getting even closer 
to the end of the regular season and seeing the results of that wild card chase. I'm excited for it. I know you are too. Really appreciate you joining me here tonight. That's going to do it for us. This has been Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network.